Previously on Story Jazz, Hexes and Lead. Yeah, sorry. Deputy Marty Green looks up from the empty bullet casing on the floor of the saloon that he doesn't dare touch. I'm going to have a word with our bartender, Conway. Conway's gone, says a voice from behind. Mama Leslie, what are you even doing awake at this hour? Well, that is not good then, is it, partner? (laughs) Doc, wait, what what are you... Bang! A muzzle flash lights the room. On the back of the lead bullet in small letters is written aspirin. Conway, somebody shot him. It was Brimstone Boyadero, a rider from hell. It's tall, it's got knobbly knees, and it's dressed like a fine lady. It appears to be a walking tumbleweed. And it's floating just outside the window. I'm looking for my husband. You and your fleshy bits might most recognize him by his thick brimstone set. And just that moment, something tightens around his ankles and he flops to the ground. And right as the Iguana Mustang and its rider arch over the edge of the hill, the farmer gets off one shot. And the bullet rips through the air, burying itself deep into the dark figure riding it. And then Deputy Green is gone. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back to Story Jazz, an improvised narrative podcast hosted by your very own Softy. And Sam. Uh, We are continuing Hexes and Lead, a story about the weird, wild, magical West uh, that exists in our collective imagination. And we hope that it will soon exist in yours as well. We left off on a bit of a cliffhanger for our young Marty Green last time. And I'm so curious to know what happened to him. But I feel like we need to just tantalize our audience just a little bit more. So before we jump in, I want to do a real quick recap. We have the case of the floating bullet shell, although I think our characters don't even know that it ever floated. No, but but I think uh, our sheriff dandelion, they're they're suspicious of something. Certainly, they they know that it is uh, some kind of magic revolver shell. Um, but yeah, so there's this empty saloon. One single shot was heard. Um, Which you audience, you all remember because you listened to the previously on. Of that course, of course. But we need to figure out what happened. That night, maybe maybe we'll start with a cold open about what happened that night, or another a little bit more information about that night. That would be kind of fun. That's a cool. That's a cool idea. I like that. Like jump back in the past. Okay. Three hours before the floating, lingering, and then falling lone bullet shell in the saloon of that fateful night, the bar is boisterous. It is filled with laughter and cackling and the flying of darts and playing cards and (laughs) ricocheting shot glasses flying down the bar as our own Conway is juggling bottles of tequila and and, uh, (laughs) pouring shots left and right. It's a a celebration of sorts, which it is every night at the No Name Saloon. Conway is a lanky man, much like his grandmother is a lanky woman who uh, has a complete set of toes, who has a complete set of toes, and is very popular with all of his patrons, uh, running up and down the bar, making sure everybody's got what they need, and keeping up five conversations at the same time. Everybody loves Conway. 
Everybody knows that. There are a couple of familiar faces in the bar. Uh, Victoria, Barber. She sits at the poker table on the lap of one of our other patrons who's unfamiliar to us, but he seems to be winning and thus so does she. <laughs> in the corner is our Mama Leslie who watches Conway man the bar and coddles a, a particularly dark ale. She hasn't drank any of it. <laughs> We can't quite tell if she's awake or asleep. She's got one of those Gandalf-looking eyes. You don't really know. <laughs> uh, Friar Pendleton is... It isn't there because he's at the bingo night. Not here because he's at the bingo night. <laughs> exactly. I remember. And, but there is a Friar Pendleton-sized hole in tonight's company, and everybody can feel it. But right beside where Friar Pendleton should be sitting is a hunter. A hunter that one Marty Green was about to visit before he was swept away. And the camera pans in on the hunter's face as he nurses uh, an empty shot glass. And every time Conway comes by to, to fill it up again with tequila, as is the choice of the evening, the hunter waves him off and Conway moves on. So he doesn't nurse it because it just stays empty? He, he nurses the empty shot glass. <laughs> ah, yes. Residual fumes of tequila, my favorite. <laughs> the hunter is watching, waiting. And he's sweating. He's sweating like he's nervous. He knows something's coming. When the saloon doors burst open and a long, knobby-kneed individual walks in, shadowed by the night behind them. Great. That's a great scene. Uh, gives us a little <laughs> hint of what is to come, of what we might find out. Most notably, Victoria Barber was there when the saloon doors flew open, so she must yes. know more than she's letting on. Oh, yeah. We, we know that. But that she said that she heard the gunshot from her otherwise engagement after the poker game was over. Oh, indeed. So maybe it's somebody completely different walking in the door. Or the person walked in way earlier than the questions they're asking. They're asking about the bullet thing, but everything might have started early. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? They're asking about the gunshot, but the events leading up to the gunshot are perhaps just as, if not more important than the actual gunshot itself. Remember when we did a heist episode and we were like, wow, we're really making this hard on ourselves because it was like all complicated and stuff? Yes. Doing a murder mystery is gonna, gonna be a whole nother challenge. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. For now, yes, I, I, there are a few scenes that we need to do. I have a thought how to start a Heather slash Dandelion scene. Take it away. We're out by the Doc's house at the edge of Tapper Talon Gulch. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. You, you know what? Finally, for the first time, Dandelion pulls a revolver and shoots into the sky. <laughs> shoots into the sky, hits a bird, and three more birds appear around it. <laughs> we gotta uh, do what we can to repopulate this barren area, they say to themselves. <laughs> um, the the <laughs> bullet they picked. Has a small crow <laughs> engraved at the back of the bullet casing. The crack turns into a quack, 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 as happy birds flap off into the distance. Dandelion pulls out a little tin out of their duster, some kind of chewing tobacco or something. They stuff some into their left cheek and wiggle it around with their tongue a little bit. They put their hands on their hips and say, now where is Heather? Pat, 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 she shouldn't pat, have taken pat, this long. Pat, 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 pat. Steps come running down the dusty road from the saloon. Sheriff Dandelion, you gotta see this. Right on cue. Heather skids to a halt in front of Dandelion. All right, Heather, what'd you find? I don't really have the words to describe it, Sheriff. Uh, you just gotta come and see. 
Come on. And then Heather turns back around on her heel and, and walks back toward the saloon, wiping dust off her bifocals. All right. Sheriff Dandelion sort of leans their hour iron shaped body forward and <laughs> goes at a brief jog. It's not considerably faster than they're walking, but they make it to the saloon nonetheless. All right, Heather, I'm here. You didn't move the, the bullet, did you? No, I, I didn't. You could check. It's. I think it's still there. L- look, there is an entity. I, I asked her, it, uh, her, them to stay put, but she wanted me to leave. It's it's strange. It's it's like you would read in, in one of those ghost novels, but stranger. You know as well as I, Heather, ghosts do not exist unless you shoot someone with a ghost-creating bullet. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Just come up, come upstairs with me. All right. And Heather pulls out her notebook. Her raised eyebrow is like twitching with excitement as they climb the stairs again and burst into Conway's apartment. All right, what do you want to show me? Heather is petrified. There's nothing. Not in front of the window, not in the apartment. I, I swear it was here. Look, Sheriff- Heather, I, you I, haven't I, been doing any of those mushroom bullets. <laughs> you know, I am one of the least crazy individuals inhabiting this here little town. You know, I wouldn't lie to you and I I, I wouldn't hallucinate a uh, 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 plant person. <laughs> I don't think you're lying to me. I trust you, Heather, just like I trusted your mama. But just because I trust you don't make what you seen what you saw. Look, Sheriff, just hear me out. A lady made of tumbleweed. All right. And she said she was looking for her husband and uh, brim- brimstone. She said he smells like brimstone. Are you sure it was brimstone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Brimstone, and, and he has clogs, um, loud, awful clogs, and... Clogs and kind of cannibalistic for a tumbleweed. Anyway, um... <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> All right, I believe you more than you know. Can you write down what you saw so that when we find Marty, you know Marty's not going to remember any of it, so just write down. Already did, Sheriff. All right, great. She's leaning out the window now, looking around, trying to find the tumblewoman. Uh, speaking of which, um, have you seen Marty? It's getting kind of dark at this point. I mean, it shouldn't take him all day to go, you know, uh, talk to the regulars. Oh, man. And listen, unless uh, Victoria got a hold of him. Uh, at this, Heather leans back inside through the window and pulls a face. Maybe that's the first place we should check. Yeah, let's let's go back to Victoria's and then, and then maybe we'll be able to track. You know, it's a real pain to have to track down your own deputies and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> A, a brimstone person in a tumble. You know, this has not been the most irregular of days. When you're <laughs> a deputy, Heather. Heather rolls her eyes and sighs as Dandelion goes off on another rant. Cut to Victoria Barber's barbershop. Is that you, <laughs> little green? Are you here to pick me up on our date? Heather pulls another face and looks up at Dandelion. Looks like she already got her hooks in him. Uh, no, Miss, um, Miss Barber, no, it's the sheriff, Sheriff Dandelion. I take it you've seen our deputy? I I presume he's not in there if you thought he was outside. Oh, no, I, I haven't seen Little Green since, well, since this afternoon. Is he all right? Heather takes a note. Um, ma'am, can we, perchance, uh, enter the premises and, um, take a look around? 
oh, I'm, I'm not decent. Um, let me just, and you hear the, the tearing of fabric and then the door creaks open a little ways and the Victoria Barbara has a, has a tablecloth wrapped around her clearly nude body. <laughs> Why is she always nude? It's part of her sexy appeal. She's, She's waiting there for a little green, for, for deputy Marty Green naked. She creaks the door open just wide enough to slip a long leg through. <laughs> uh, Sh- Sheriff Dandelion uh, averts their eyes a little bit and says, uh, Victoria, this is was serious. We're actually looking for our deputy. Um, do you remember who we talked to next? Should I do Victoria? <laughs> um, oh, oh, I guess I could do it. Uh, yeah, yeah then go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, uh, well, hello there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, love this. You can't do it. Okay. Do, okay. Too, does she have an accent okay. or no? Yeah, she does. But it's very, it's very like Southern Belle. Okay. Okay. Um. Oh, Heather, I didn't see you there. Would you like to come in? Heather's gaze is fixed on the gleaming shin in front of her. She's trying to avert her eyes. It's hard. You can <laughs> tell she doesn't like the fact that it's hard for her. And finally, she takes off her bifocals and is able to <laughs> look away. really blind. <laughs> it's making it blurry enough for her to imagine it's just like a sausage or something. <laughs> Hot dog meme. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Um, we just need to know where the young man went next. I don't know where he went. I know he did come from... South Church with that awful old Friar Pendleton. I know he came from there. Well, thanks for the information. You can go on and not be decent now. Have a good evening. The sheriff turns to Heather and says, yes, thank you. Thank you, Victoria. You can, yes, Heather, I know where he's going. Heather puts her bifocals back on. How? No, more importantly, where? He's going up the hill. That greenhorn must have thought that the, the list of names was in order of importance and so is <laughs> doing them in the order that I wrote them so I know where he's going next. Going back and forth across town, incredibly inefficient. Heather looks up, up the mountain that is sort of silhouetted by the setting sun the far edge of town and sighs. Well, looks like we're climbing. Well, I guess I can take the horses out of the, take the old, the old <laughs> stallions, stallions <laughs> out of the... Take the stallions out of the stable and we can... Camellio stallions. Uh, we can make it up and down by, by dinner time. You still up for a, a bit more of a trek, Heather? I know you're not a, a deputy and all, but maybe you're curious enough. I feel like this mountain just grew three sizes. It doesn't matter. La- last episode, he like schleps himself up the side of the hill. But we can, like, let's make it like a tall mountain. Yeah, I mean, really, he went to talk to three people in one day, even though he's supposed to talk to all of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, So he was so like- he was schlepping for a while. He was taking the long way, like the, the less steep way. Yeah. Out of um, Tapper Talon Gulch, up the, the mountain, out the hillside. Whereas Dandelion is now staring at the sheer cliff. What do you think, Heather? You up for a bit of a climb? Heather puts a finger in her uh, collar and sort of loosens it a little bit and swallows. Sure. That's what must be done. A big grin, a big grin falls across Sheriff Dandelion's face. Cut to the foot of the cliffside. The red sun low on the horizon, cutting around the edge of the mountain. And the narrator's accent shifting deeper into the... (laughs) I can't help it. It's just so cool. We see a rocky surface 
and two pairs of suction cup hooves clinging to the stone. And as the camera pulls out and back, time seems to speed up as two majestic gecko stallions <laughs> climb up the vertical cliffside. <laughs> what is that? What is the suffix or prefix for lizard? Like reptilo, rep- reptile? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like so. If hippo is horse, yes, right, like a hippodrome. So uh, a hipporep. I, I I still want a nice a nice oh, still name a, for the species. <laughs> nice name for the species. Yeah, let's 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 see. So uh, reptile in Greek. So Greek is hip, hippo, right? So erpon, yeah. um, and then lizard is. Savra, Savro, Erpo. It could be a hipposav. A, a hipposav. Yeah, I like it. Hipposav. And then we could we could describe them by whatever breeds of lizards and exactly, horses. Exactly, exactly. That's great. So, two majestic hipposav stallions. More specifically, gecko stallions. Gecko stallions are galloping up the vertical cliffside. Heather is balled up, clinging to the saddle for her dear life, while. Sheriff Dandelion is hands in the air like a roller coaster, bandolier of of <laughs> a bandolier of revolvers dangerously flinging about as their body is launched up the side of the cliff with glee. They thunder up the stone wall, wind tearing at their hair, bifocals almost flying off of Heather's face. And as they reach the top edge, they shoot up into the air as the two stallions jump up high and then land skidding and snorting in front of the hunter's cabin. What does a gecko stallion make? Like, what, what kind of noise does it make with its, like, voice? Like, an, uh, uh, our world's horses go, and, or something like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, but, but, like, what does a gecko horse do? They just, like, stick their tongue out? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I had this, I had this, like, impulse to make an elephant noise. All right, do it. <laughs> For those who can't see us, which is everyone. I am licking my lips and preparing. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that's the Winnie. And then, of course, they make a lot of like... <laughs> as they lick their, their eyes dry from the, from the wind. Dandelion swings themselves off of the horse, landing in a thwomp, kicking up a, a dust. A lot of thwomping. Yeah, Dandelion is a, a, lot of is a thwompy character. They kick up a, a little dust billow. Heather, with with their short legs, lets themselves slowly off the edge of the saddle and then lands and suddenly like has no balance and goes on their hands and knees like they're about to vomit. And down the line, walks over. You need a shot of something to get you up on your feet, Heather? No, I'm, I'm quite all right. I just... A bit, a bit of motion sickness. She um, gets up and dusts off her knees and swallows. Sitting in front of the hunter's house is the hunter himself. He's polishing a, a, a rifle with a revolving chamber, a particularly long revolver, we'll just call it. <laughs> a revolver. Yes, he's polishing it and he's looking at the sheriff and Heather um, and he's sweating and he's nervous again. He knew something was coming. <laughs> At the latest, he knew when he heard the thundering <laughs> suction gallop noises up the side of his mountain. Uh, once assured that Heather is at least stable and not going to vomit her way back down the cliff, uh, <laughs> Sheriff Dandelion turns to look at the hunter and they say, Anthony, good evening. Dandelion, how to do, says the hunter. I could be doing better. 
Seems like you could be doing better too, alone up here. The hunter, Anthony, raises his long revolver, (laughs) six-shooter rifle. There's got to be some sort of real name for this. We don't know anything about guns. Thanks, audience, for putting up with us. (laughs) Raises it up so that it gleams like fire in the sun. I could be doing better. I don't like preparing for war. Have you thought about the offer I made you? You could come back and live in town, and it wouldn't cost you too much. I resent offers such as this one. I must say so with respect, Sheriff. Uh, Life in town has brought me nothing but sorrow. I much prefer to sit upon my perch and pick off the occasional unruly animal. Well, on the subject of unruly, do you happen to have seen uh, a wee greenhorn deputy of mine, one uh, Marty Green? I believe he was coming your way to talk to you. Should have been here probably a few hours ago. Could have been midday if he was quick. I don't know how fast he is on those little feet. Hmm. The hunter thinks for a moment. A new town kid, Heather says. You know, from the East Coast, just got transferred here. Uh, you can... You can see it on him. He's got Newtown written all over him. I did uh, see a young greenhorn walking up the long path. So you spoke to him? I did not. Before I could have spake to him, before I could have even gotten close, he was carried off by a posse of bandits. He sniffs and um, averses his eyes, gets up, throws his rifle over his shoulder and uh, moves to go inside his house. If you don't mind, Sheriff, uh, Miss Heather, I have a long trek ahead of me tomorrow. Uh, Anthony, you can't tell me that you're the last person to see our deputy alive carried off by bandits and expect that we don't have more questions. I've already told you all I know, Sheriff. I saw the boy get dragged off by bandits. I saw old, old uh, Farmer Abe shoot after him. Uh, Abe was there. Well, you're you're gonna go, you're gonna tell me you're gonna go inside, tuck in for the night before you even tell me Abe was there too. Uh, I suppose I overlooked that. Uh, Anthony Sheriff looks disappointed down at the hunter, and as they do so, see that his tell is showing. He's fidgeting his fingers, his thumb picking at his middle finger, as it always does when he's got a good hand or when he's bluffing. That's not very useful in poker. It's not very useful in poker. <laughs> he barely ever plays. <laughs> he's got the same tell for when he's got a bad hand or a good one. It's probably the reason that living in town has only brought him suffering. <laughs> and in a curious turn of events, Sheriff Dandelion looks at him and says, all right, Anthony, you have a good night. If you're getting up early for another one of those trips, you, you be safe out there. But I want to talk to you when you come back. And be safe. Anthony looks at Sheriff down the line, barely able to contain a surprise, and wipes a film of sweat off his brow for nodding, entering the house and closing the door behind him without another word. Down the line starts walking back to the horses. Heather looks back and forth between the door and the sheriff, confused, and then follows and says, Wait, why, why'd you just let him go? He clearly knew something. Once Dandelion gets back to the horses, they 
pull a long cylinder out of one of the saddlebags and start screwing it onto the tip of one of their revolvers. <laughs> Heather watches this with distress and says, what are you planning? Sheriff Dandelion smirks at Heather, finishes twisting on the cylinder, and then props their arm up, aiming the revolver at Anthony's house, looking down at sights with a new silencer affixed to the end, and then fires. Wait, what kind of bullet is... And the bullet flies and disappears into the house with the only faint sound of splintering wood. But Anthony doesn't come out. Anthony doesn't even seem to notice. You still hear the, the sound of the stove clicking as it turns on and a, and a can of beans being opened with a can opener. And then Sheriff Dandelion puts one finger up to their lips, grabs the reins of both horses, and they head down the hill to Farmer Abe's crops below. Heather follows along, looking over her shoulder over and over again, waiting for something to happen to the house. But nothing happens. At this point, do you want to cut to Marty Green? Yeah, love to. All right. The evening darkens into night, and the night is filled with the sparkle of stars and the rustle of desert shrubs every time Marty Green is dragged through another of them. <laughs> it goes over the sand and rocks and through another shrub and again at least they're not going as fast anymore and he's not necessarily being dragged to death yet but eventually he finds the courage to complain and he yells sir or ma'am uh, good good sir or ma'am who are uh, piloting this noble iguana mustang I would very much like to be released now, please, before my back is just one big scab. Instead of the Iguana Mustang rider looking back at him or even acknowledging he said anything, Marty Green watches as his limp form starts to slip off the edge and then fall. Out of the saddle. Right out of the saddle and onto the ground with a large thump and then a roll like like tumbleweed, like a large piece of tumbleweed <laughs> rolling right past Marty. And he gets a good look at this individual and he gets a whiff of brimstone as he passes. The other posse members look back in, in, in distress and, and pull their iguana mustangs to a halt and look at the limp figure, probably no more than 10 or 20 meters behind the... the scabbed, shrubbed Marty Green. And they let themselves off one at a time, broad shoulders. And they walk right up to Marty Green. But it's too dark for him to make out any of their faces, just their red eyes in the moonlight. And then something hard hits him in the temple and he's out cold. Everybody, don't don't wake Softy. They're sleeping. Uh, this actually um makes my job a lot easier because I can just do my shit without having to <laughs> listen to theirs. So we're a podcast and we do an ad break where we tell you to follow us on social media. God damn. Okay. Hey, wake up. What? Ah. Hmm. Well, where am I? You're in uh, the desert. You're in the desert, 
in the um, desert. Oh, not again. <laughs> United States of America. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry to say. You know what I'm thirsty for? What are you thirsty I'm, for? <laughs> I'm thirsty for another episode of Story Chat. <laughs> Do you, what, what is the connection? Do you wake up thirsty? Oh, yeah. Usually? I wake up thirsty every morning. Uh, watch out to uh, to my partner out there. I wake up thirsty every... Okay. Um, Good God. It's it's lovely not to see you or hear you all. This is another sort of bi-weekly reminder to drink some water every morning, to, yes. to wash your hands, Quench that to thirst. wear your mask, uh, get vaccinated if you haven't already. Get vaccinated, yes. You say that like it's easy, but uh, out here in, in Germany, we're actually having a lot of trouble getting vaccinated. So please, Americans, be grateful that you can get vaccinated. <laughs> If you are in the United States, uh, go to your local vaccine place. Even Walmart's offering vaccines, I think. Jesus. And there's a Walmart within like 20 miles of everywhere. Additionally, you know, look us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at StoryJazzCast or email us at StoryJazzCast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you like or don't like. We love to hear from our friends. And always remember, we love you. We love you. So there's a lot going on in this episode right now. We've opened a lot of questions. Do, do you, like, know where we're going? I can smell the wind, and that's enough for me. <laughs> you can smell the wind. You can smell the brimstone scent on the wind. Yeah. All right. I'll trust you. Trust me, Sam. Let's go talk to uh, Farmer Abe. That's the next thing? Farmer Abe. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good place to start our adventure. To start continuing our adventure. Once to more. start continuing, <laughs> to pick up where, we, where we're starting to continue our adventure. All right. There's an old farmer sitting. And his name is Abe. And his, his name is Abe. <laughs> he's sitting in front of his house next to a bucket on an overturned bucket. He's got a carrot in his hand and he's munching on it. And he's patting his old trusty gecko horse with one hand and saying, There, there, old girl. It's all good now. Sorry, I got so jittery over over there. I haven't shot a gun at a man in a long time. His voice is so similar to Anthony's. It's just even more drawly. Well, they, they just uh, live out in the country. Maybe they sound more similar. That's okay. Uh, hey, Abe. Sheriff Dandelion waves from up on the hill as they approach. Oh, there's the sheriff, old girl. The horse's name is actually old girl old girl so old girl looks like i'm gonna have to tell the sheriff what happened and they're not gonna lie farmer abe you know i can hear you the voice your voice carries oh no old girl (laughs) they can hear us oh boy oh we gotta find old boy right right him out of town all right um farmer abe I know you've already seen my deputy, and you're not in trouble. You just got to tell me which way the the bandits, the posse, took him. Yeah, I already know. They took the yeah, I already know. young deputy. I already know. What I was wondering why he went up to the hunter's cabin instead of talking to me first, but I, well, you, I guess I... You know that you're not allowed in the saloon anymore. I wasn't there that night, yeah. Well, well uh, in that case, I can give you the information you seek, Sheriff. Uh, I'm just glad Don't pretend like you're some kind of sphinx. Uh, you're, you're no, just I'm, a- I'm, I'm not a sphinx. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I will readily give up the information as much as it pains me that once I do, you will 
turn your back once more and ride off toward your destination. Uh, and I, I've been oh so lonely here. It's just me and old girl every day farming carrots. You know how it is. And he bites off a piece of carrot. You can't be playing this guilt game with me. Abe. No, I I don't mean to play a guilt game. I just you wanted know. to tell you about my day. You know, I got up this morning and I ate a carrot, a carrot muesli. You know, Doc Verner's uh, old uh, recipe, muesli recipe. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> re- really good muesli. I took my my milk gun and I fired it and and I missed and and I took another shot and then I fired and I missed again and now my my whole. Uh, uh, living room was covered in milk, so I slipped and then I hit my head. And uh, when I woke up, it was evening, and I realized I didn't have any carrots. So I went out to plant some carrots, and I was so hungry. Ah, oh, boy! Now, now I'm just sitting here with old girl eating some carrots, and I just realized, old girl, I ain't fed you all day. And old girl, here, here you go, have a carrot. And he gives old girl his half carrot. Now, uh, Heather looks d- dumbfound <laughs> at the at the farmer and back up at. I had Sheriff Dandelion who sort of rubs their temple and says, now, Abe, you can't guilt trip me. It was it was a community decision. Your sentence was 10 years of farming up on the hill. Yeah. That's why you can't go to saloon. I get 10 years. And I know that you miss company, but that's, you know, you can't just go around thieving and stealing. 10 years just for stealing a bundle of carrots. (laughs) It's that's it wasn't, where my carrot obsession began. It wasn't just uh, a, it wasn't just a bundle of carrots. You know, you got you got caught for fifteen years worth of carrot stealing. When we finally tracked down your den of carrots underneath the saloon, that's why you're not allowed there anymore. It, it, you know all this. You can't guilt trip me with this sort of thing. It was a community's decision. Okay, we don't have a prison in our town. We don't subscribe <laughs> to that sort of you know imprisonment complex. And so your your community service was 10 years of planting up on the hill. I come and see you about once a week and check up on you. Now don't be don't be claiming you're all lonely. You did this to yourself. And plus, you know, you got a you got a, a Anthony up on the hill too. You can go talk to him. Anthony don't like my carrots. Also, it gets really confusing because our voices are a little bit too similar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that shouldn't make a real difference to you. You you can hear each other's, and there's only two. All right. Well, okay. Heather uh, clears her throat and says, <clears throat> "Would you please just tell us where the bandits went?" That would be lovely. Uh, Abe, can you just point us a direction? And Abe looks over at old girl and pats her on the side of the head real quick, and then takes the carrot out of her mouth, sighs, and points the carrot north. Thank you, Abe. At the next uh, city council meeting, I'll talk about commuting your sentence. Is your good behavior? Abe's eyes widen and he goes, Well, I would have to say I would be much obliged if you could uh, do so. See, I had a very, very nasty day yesterday, too, because I was all alone and I started my day with, well, I wanted to start it with a bowl of muesli, but I realized I was out of milk bullets, so I thought I'd go back down town and his voice slowly fades off as <laughs> as dandelion and heather just sort of back away and leave sheriff dandelion and and heather head off north at a reasonable gallop on their on their uh, hippasavs um, gallop is so fast by the way i don't know if you were, were you were trying to go far i think you would trot or no not trot what's the one in between 
Cantor. My knowledge of horse, equine transportation lingo is limited. Says Dandelion for some reason, out of nowhere. And uh, Heather looks <laughs> over at them and goes, uh, that, that's all right. Sheriff, say, I I wanted to ask you something. Why, why yes, Heather, what's, uh, what's on your mind? As they clop, plop their way north, Heather chews on her lip. Now, clopping is a word I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Heather chews on her lip and chooses her words carefully. Now, say, hypothetically, that I had um, requested some pamphlets by mail from universities out east to Newtown, Boomston, um, give me another, give me another East Coast uh, city name. G- gun related. City that name? sounds like gun related. Um, Coxton. Coxton. There we go. Um, yeah, Coxton. Coxton University. Say, say, I had hypothetically read those pamphlets for those universities and just sort of disliked the idea of prancing about a green campus with a bunch of new England, new Spangland, <laughs> new Spangland Yankees. Well, you, you know, I, I'm probably not the right person to ask. I mean, you can ask uh, Doc. I know Doc went to, went to school. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, Sheriff, hypothetically, if I was to remain in Tapper Talon Gulch and um, r- remain on the frontier and not go study once I turn 18, what what exactly would the um, law enforcement career look like that you and my mother so graciously had in mind for me? Uh, hypothetically, that is. Hypothetically, um, Sheriff Dandelion says with a grin, hypothetically, I feel inclined as a, as a longtime friend of your mother to say you did really want to go to college. And Tappertal and Gulch ain't going nowhere. It'll be here when you get back. But I'm happy to talk to you about... Uh, what what it means to to be sheriff and be deputy, although law enforcement is maybe only 10% of the job, I'll say. There's not a whole lot of laws out here on the frontier, and so law enforcement is not really the, the job. Not really the the best term for it, is it? Huh. No, and I and I think I like it better that way. I wouldn't survive two <laughs> two reloads in a in a big old city like Coxton for <laughs> For, and, and their police academy or or anything like that is just not it's not the same out here. You see, there's a there's a difference between a community like Tappertal and Gulch and a big city like Coxton. I mean, I can I can philosophicalize you for F- philo- for the whole evening. Philosophize. Yeah, I can I can do that to you for a whole evening on the on the nature of state violence and what it means to be a law enforcement officer and how that changes. It changes depending on the community that it is you serve. As sheriff of, of Tappertal and Gulch, I've been elected 11 times because the community trusts me. They know when they elect me that I'm here to serve the community and I care about the community. I care about every person, even Carrot Steel and Abe, even, even Anthony, who <laughs> will lie to my face at every opportunity, even Victoria Barber, who I'm pretty sure is a murderer. I still care about her too. <laughs> Heather nods and says, Trust. Huh. Say, 
Sheriff, you don't have a regular gun, do you? What's a regular gun, Heather? Well, I mean, you know, look at this like, bandolier. I carry I carry seven or eight revolvers at any one time. If you're asking no, no, me, I, I, I know. I I mean, a a like a lead shooter. No, like a. I don't carry none of those pea shooter, lead shooting, lethal weapon type. Look at me. So you don't think that you need lethal force to do your job? You know, I carry I carry this revolver. You know what this one does? What? It fixes roofs. That's, I, I swear, it's the, it's, the, it's the number one job. If you were asking me how much of my job is law enforcement, and I told you it's maybe less than 10%, at least 15%, the most of any of the percentage of different jobs I got to do for the town, at least 15% is fixing people's roofs. But, but here's the thing, though. Sometimes people do get shot. Sometimes people do. Like Conway got shot, as we don't far know as we know. Con- we don't know Conway got shot. We know that Mama Leslie said. What if he did? But what if he did, Sheriff? What if he's dead? If he did, I'm not going to get him unshot by having a gun that shoots lead. Am I? Is that going to fix? Is that going to fix Conway getting shot? No. It's just going to get somebody else shot. And I understand that there are there are many of the of the great and wonderful and beautiful inhabitants of our of our little Tapper Talon Gulch who have real guns, right? Real lead shooting guns. I understand that, but I'm not going to unshoot anybody by having one of my own. Heather nods. Well, if I do stay in that highly unlikely hypothetical scenario, maybe you can maybe you can teach me how to shoot one of those sometime. Here, and Sheriff Dandelion pulls the 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 revolver that they were gesturing at earlier and tosses it across the little the divide between the two cantering horses over to Heather, who catches it a little clumsily. <clears throat> that one. Shoots shingles. Next time somebody's roof starts breaking down, I'll send you to fix it. Heather smiles. All right. Although, theoretically, if a bandit attacked me, like if somebody charged me and I shot a shingle at them, would that would that be an effective method of self-defense? I'm just going to tell you no. I mean, you feel a little prick, you know, when the bullet hits you, but otherwise it's like somebody handing you a stack of 16 or 17 shingles. It's not exactly... A, a, you know, a damaging sort of lethal weapon scenario. And they might end up with a pocket full of shingles, which is probably not your ideal circumstance. So I'd refrain from shooting it at anybody. All right. Well, thanks. Sure thing, Heather. And the two gecko horses canter northward alongside one another as the this parallel universe version of the Milky Way <laughs> uh, swirls above our heads. It's, what is it? Like it's a, a gunway. Gunway, gun, the uh, gunway? The, the gun... <laughs> The lead way. And as Heather looks up at the the gun-shaped constellations in the sky, <laughs> she uh, scowls and says, Say, Sheriff, are we still on track? She looks down at the ground and looks around for the hoof marks that they had been following earlier. Looks back up. I'm not... Are we still going, like, a straight north? No. Or we're, what exactly? We're going sort of uh, north-northeast at this point that... The canyon dips off here to the to the right. All right, hold hold up real quick. And uh, Sheriff Dan Lyon stops their gecko horse, and Heather stops hers. Uh, Sheriff Dan Lyon fumbles for the last revolver on their bandolier and pulls it out and rolls the drum, looking for the bullet that they fired earlier into Anthony's house. They pull out the empty shell, right? They pull out the empty shell, but there's still a bullet inside. 
it's got two bullets in the shell. Don't ask me how that works. <laughs> and then they load it back into the chamber, cock it, and fire it into the sand beneath them. Okay. Heather looks uh, curiously on as the sand splashes in every direction before settling, and a dull blue glow rises out of the sand. And the sand on the ground forms a small hut, just like the hunter's cabin they were at not a few hours earlier. And then a blue line, like a vector curve, just shoots out and then zigzags up and then shoots out again to the right and the left. And it seems to show where Anthony has gone since he left his cabin. It's a tracker. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, Heather, you see you see the hut? Yeah. So if we are, we started probably about a, a half kilometer down the hill and we went north, northeast. We're following the canyon. I think Anthony's also heading for the other side of the canyon, but he's cutting around. He's going up top and he's probably going to beat us there. Oh boy, Heather says. This means we have to cut through the canyon, doesn't it? Are you up for another one or you need to go back home? I don't want to overstep my bounds in your internship. <laughs> Heather nods. No, I'm, how do you say, in for a bullet, in for a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Should we cut to Marty one more time? He's Yeah, Marty waking up. Let's do that one. Ah! <laughs> Wait, no. Marty opens his eyes to see four crows flying overhead. <laughs> he immediately feels the cold sting and nausea wash over him from his right temple where he got smacked with a, something dull the night before. He blinks the sparks from his eyes Oh, and sits up. In front of him is nothing. He's at the mouth of a canyon the sun is peeking up ahead, but there's nothing around him. He is like, like you mean he's like centimeters from the canyon, like on the on the precipice there? No, I was thinking the mouth of the canyon being like the valley, right? So behind him is a is a winding. Oh, canyon. I see, I see, I see. So, so how's there? Mouth- no, there's nothing in front of. There's just the canyon in front of him. There's just the canyon behind him, and ah. not a sign or shape of any of the. Iguana mustangs or any of the bandits in sight. There's just a rope wrapped around his leg, leading off, and then curiously vanishing. Vanishing like into thin air. Into thin air. So, so it's just a it's cut off. Well, he thinks that, but he grabs it. It's still affixed to something. What? Our Marty Green stands up and wraps the rope around his hand and traces it up to the point where it disappears. Wait, he hobbles, right? It's it's like bound around both his legs. Oh yeah, he he hops. He hops. He hops. He hops after it, tracing it back to the point where it vanishes into thin air. Into thin air. And he pulls on it and yanks, and it doesn't budge. And then he gives it one good pull, and a door opens. A door that was invisible before opens into midair. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I I'm what okay. Brief meta talk. What I'm doing is I'm merging the like, why was the woman floating? Oh. And okay, see where she was. Say no more. Say no more. A door opens out of nowhere. And there's a there's an old rickety wooden staircase that that he can now see behind the door. Whereas if he he leans his head out, he couldn't see it from before. 
<laughs> Marty r- reaches for his back pocket, finds the tattered remains of his notebook, finds his pen and starts writing what he's seeing, starts sketching what he's seeing. An invisible house in the middle of nowhere. He hesitantly, once he takes his notes, reaches out and touches the stairs. They're, they're real enough. He reaches out and touches the door, and from the inside, it's real enough. But when he peeks around and looks at it from the outside, it's invisible again, and when he reaches for it, his hand goes right through. Intangible. There could be a whole town here, and he wouldn't know. Having nowhere else to go, he looks over his shoulder once more, then down at his feet, he, he, he unties the rope and slips out, wondering why he was left out here. But having nowhere else to go, he steps inside the house. The rope gingerly creeps up the steps as if it's tied to something in the room above. As soon as he steps onto the staircase, he can see the gnarled old floor above him. He climbs the stairs until his head is eye level with the floor. And there's a table. There's a, there's a sink in the corner. There's a nice chest and a fireplace, as if it's a normal cabin out in the middle of the desert. And the rope is tied around the legs of the table. Heavy, heavy table. Very heavy table. <laughs> An old mahogany table, as heavy as it is old. And as Marty contemplates this table and runs his hand over it, not quite believing it is real, someone behind him goes, Oh boy! And let me, let me do that. I'll, uh, yeah. Oh boy. Is that the voice you want? You want this yeah. voice? Okay. Great, 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 great. All right. And something glass, glass shatters on the wooden floor. And Marty turns around and goes, ah! and is standing opposite a box shaped square of a tumble man, a man made of tumbleweed dressed up in a leather vest and a, and a black bandana and staring at him with two big, Gaps in the tumble of his face. Oh, I, oh boy, we really, we really owe you an apology. We were, you were not, you were not who we thought you were. Uh, who did, who did you think I was? Says Marty, sort of standing half in, in like fighting stance. Uh, I'll admit, it's really hard to tell you flesh people apart. Ah, uh, yeah. Now You're Marty not- registers that this man seems to be made of stakes. Ah. Uh, Sure. You're not Anthony the Hunter, right? You don't... Now that we're looking at you, you're, like, considerably shorter than Anthony the Hunter. But but in the dark, you kind of looked like him, so we we really... We're really sorry. I'm not... We'll take you back today. I promise. Why? What, um... What did Anthony the Hunter do to to deserve being dragged through the desert? Oh, what hasn't Anthony done? God, I don't need to get into I don't need to get into it. You probably should talk to my boss. Um, well, I guess I guess come with me. And as Marty blinks in confusion and follows the tumble man, he steps onto the glass on the floor with his boots. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I uh, I'll clean that up. I promise. Um, what is this? And he looks at the liquid on the floor. It's Sticky and, and greenish. Oh, that's sap. It's a sort of a, a cactus sap. A sort of a 
Oh, so that sounds refreshing. It's from the, it's pretty good if you ferment it too. It makes like a pretty nice fermented cactus sap. I, I've heard of. Isn't that highly hallucinogenic? Um, I mean, I don't know how it affects flesh people. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's it definitely. It's called crazy juice. Um, where I come from, crazy. Okay, and there's stories back in Newtown. There's stories about how everybody on the frontier is always drinking crazy juice. Um, so that's the frontier. That's that's here. Yes, you you didn't happen to to feed me any uh, crazy juice. I mean, a cactus <laughs> cactus sap while I was asleep. Did you? Because that would explain some of the things <laughs> I've no, been I seeing. No, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what you eat, so I didn't want to like do anything. Okay, but you really should just. My boss isn't feeling well, but you should you should talk to him. I'm sure he could do a better job explaining. And the the square shaped tumble man uh, uh, reaches for a door which isn't there until he puts his hand around an invisible doorknob and opens it and another room appears. They walk through a house that is a lot of old wood and then a lot of invisible chunks where they can see through to the outside. It's, it's this weird perspective where depending on where you stand and how you look at your surroundings, parts of the house are there and parts of the house aren't. You know, sort of like build mode in, in The Sims or any <laughs> similar video game. So yeah, it's, it's really strange, but the, the tumble man seems totally accustomed to it. And Marty isn't entirely sure what the tumble man sees and doesn't see. But to Marty, all of this is new. Marty stops as he sees pictures on the wall, silver graphs of tumble people, tumble families. And <laughs> there's even a... Uh, newspaper clippings and from the tumble tumble times <laughs> the tumble times and the the tumble town gossip um oh i just had a really good idea oh i'm just gonna do this okay it's a it's a huge story piece but i'm just gonna fucking yeah. do it okay do it do it this is a perfect. newspaper clipping saying tumble talon gulch sold off the year on that clipping is 1731 and Marty looks closer for a second and he thinks he recognizes something on the on the photo of the town. But then the tumble man uh clears his throat. Um, Mr. Not Anthony, it's um it's over here. Oh, yes. Uh it's <laughs> it's Marty Green. Um Okay. Cool. What's Marty Green? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that is my name. Do, oh, do you do you have an, a name? Oh yeah, I'm. I was gonna say my name is uh, Professor Oak, but maybe that's a too <laughs> a, a dumb joke. Yeah, Marty says. Yeah, yes, that joke is is rather dumb. Sorry, have it's kind of done with all the Pokemon games. They all have different treat. Okay, yeah. My name is um Sap Drinker. Uh, okay. Like that's my name. That's yeah. That's, no. Yeah. Sap. Sap. Drinker. Like first name. Sap. Yeah. Last name. Drinker. No. 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 Like, they, I people just call me Sap Drinker because I I like drinking sap. You drink a lot of sap. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was rock thrower, but I kind of grew out of that. Rock. Th <laughs> rock thrower. You, so you threw a lot of rock rocks. I, I really liked throwing rocks as a kid, but I you know it was a phase. You know, I said it wasn't a phase at a time, but it was a phase. What is Marty? Do you like to Marty Green? What? Is this like a Marty Gras knockoff? What? Marty Gras? Oh, you're... No. Uh, no, I'm just... I'm I'm Martin 
Green uh, of the Wait, Green family. You, you're Martin. Why do you people call you Marty Green if your name is Martin Green? And Marty thinks about this for a second and then says, you know what? I don't really know. <laughs> Come on, let's let's meet your boss. Well, I know where my name comes from. I don't know about you. Okay. Yeah, he's right through here. He's <laughs> like a little bit like... <laughs> It's like a little bit snobbish about it. <laughs> Weird. And you're just a random collection of phonemes? Okay, I guess. I'll be hubbly um, blubbledy, I guess. <laughs> and the two of them walk through the door that uh, Sap Drinker pointed, and inside is a, is a large, uh, gnarled bed with a man lying in it, a, a tall, lanky, knobbly-kneed man with carrots growing out of him in every which direction. <laughs> ah, I was looking forward to this reveal. Uh, there are three more people gathered around the bed. Tumblefolk dressed in dark leather, much like a bandit posse would be dressed. And they all look up at Sap Drinker and Marty Green as they enter the room. They all seem surprised at first that Marty is there, but... Uh, Sap Drinker sort of like waves his hand like it's fine. This is Martin Green, but you can call him Marty. It's and Marty. No one yes. knows why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not. I don't even really know myself. Hello, uh, I am the deputy of Tapper Talon Gulch, uh, and uh, well, usually I'd say something like I'm here as part of an investigation, but the reason I'm here is that you folks. Seemed to have kidnapped me, but it was a misunderstanding, I hope. Saftrinker nods, and, and one of the standing people, um, standing tumble people, extends a hand and says, Hi, I'm Sandkicker, and are you going to shake my hand, or do, do flesh people not shake hands? Is that another fern thing? Marty is kind of preoccupied looking at the hand in front of him, which looks like a twisted three-fingered fork. A twisted three-fingered fork made of dry wood. And he says, no, yeah, sure. And he takes the hand and it it's just, it feels like holding moving sticks. We apologize for kidnapping you. We've been dealing with um, an Anthony and uh, we don't really, we thought you were him. Um, We'll take you back today. We're, we're really sorry. We We really need to just, Figure out what happened to... And then he looks over at uh, the groaning figure in bed who still hasn't really regained consciousness. That is your um, leader? Marty says. Uh, boss. Boss more than leader. You know. Okay. I, I, uh, I, I was wondering if, if I'm already here, maybe I could ask you folks if you know anything about the, um, the altercation that occurred at the No Name Saloon the night before uh, you unfortunately um, hogtied me. Sap Drinker looks back at Marty and then back at the group and says, Isn't No Name Saloon right above uh, the boss's place? Like their house is like right there. One of the yet unnamed Tumblefolk banditos pipes up and says, No, I believe they are uh, wall to wall, very close to one another. The uh, first floor windows uh, face each other directly. You can uh, look inside the flesh people's home from uh, the boss's house. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm just trying to think of how to, what, what the next. And, and Marty sort of 
nods only because it's polite to <laughs> nod, not because he actually understands what's happening. And another one of the groups says, Well, it must be very uh, annoying to be constantly looking into the home of a, a flesh being. I cannot uh, imagine how the bosses uh, enjoy living there. It would be much better if we just move away from this place that these flesh people have taken over and, well, the, and set up a new home here. All right, but yeah, the boss and his wife argue about that all the time. I don't, you know, they have the balcony and they like the view. And Well, as far as I am concerned, Tumble Talon Gulch is, is no longer a, a home for us. Tumble folk, it is just... But it's, it's ancestral lands. It's important to, to remain on our ancestral lands. I, I believe in the boss's mission. And at that, Marty sort of looks back at uh, Sap Drinker. Wait, uh, you folks have a mission? What, what exactly is your mission? I wish the boss was awake to explain it to you, says Sap Drinker. I mean, that's why we're glad you're not Anthony. Anthony's been a real... Well, Anthony was supposed to help us, you know, uh, buy stuff with flesh people money and and get some of the land back and and... Build the house and, and... Unfortunately, says the one tumble woman, it's very hard to buy something from a uh, group of people who doesn't even acknowledge your existence in the first place. Would, in fact, be shocked to see that there are tumble folk in existence at all. Just like you, not Anthony, when you saw me. I was totally normal when I saw you. I didn't scream or anything, but you screamed. That's what it's like. Oh, you didn't scream or anything? Oh, very brave this time, weren't we, Sap Drinker? Marty remembers how Sap Drinker screamed. So, uh, all right, uh, you know what? I still think flesh people look weird. No offense, not Anthony. But like, <laughs> it's, you guys look weird. It's just, there's so much, there's so much like. And Sap Drinker sort of holds a twiggy little finger out and, and pokes Marty on the cheek with it sort of, it just moves. It just doesn't stop. It moves so much. Yeah, it's, it's squidgy, says Marty. It's. Gotta be all the cakes and creams. Huh. So, so anyway, um, do you, were any of you there then? If you live right next to, if, if some of you live right next to the saloon, uh, I, how exactly that's possible, I still haven't really wrapped my head around. But were you aware? Did you hear the shot that night? Uh, oh, we, we were, us four, we, we were here, but the boss was there. The boss was there meeting with Anthony, not you. Anthony, the other Anthony. You're not Anthony. Yes, no, I, yeah, I, I understand. And do you know what happened? It, it, did the situation escalate or? Well, so, oh, supposedly I, somebody got shot. I don't, I don't know anything about that. The boss came back in a, uh, in a mean mood, and he said we had to kidnap or we had to get Anthony. So you know, we got you, the wrong Anthony, the not Anthony. Sorry. And with that, a gunshot rings out over the canyon. And all five individuals, Tumble and Non, except for the unconscious man in bed, look straight out the invisible wall to a figure at the edge of the cliffs above with a long revolver in their hand. Both hands. <laughs> a really long revolver. It's Anthony. Gun-smoking, poncho and a wide-brimmed hat. Both eyes fixated on the invisible house below. And a small rain cloud forms above him and begins to rain. And he goes, God, a wrong bullet.
You could call it a rifle, a uh, revolver rifle, relongver. I, I still haven't figured out what the heck this is. As Sam Googles away. I'm Googling long revolver. Long revolver is the name of my, it's my porno name, long revolver. <laughs> That's awesome. I've, I found your profile picture. This is the longest oh, no. fucking revolver I have ever seen. Oh my All right, stand goodness. by everybody. We're going to tweet this. We're going to tweet this That's and put it on Instagram. That's one heckin' long revolver. <laughs> That's exactly what Anthony uh, has. All right, this is going to go This is go on social media, everybody. Look forward, so look forward to, to seeing to it before the episode airs and not understanding what we're on about. 